That's right. Yeah. Just saw that like two day, two seconds ago. Okay. Yeah, Trevor, do some research next time. Yes. Let's see how good Houston is. I'm pretty sure they suck shit, but let's find out. Sarah, Sarah is literally working on the newsletter for your wife right now, she told me. Oh, that's great news. I will text her. Yep. She's like, she actually went to go see a play, so. Okay. Yeah, the little mermaid. All right, well, welcome to episode 52 of Off the Crossbar, a Ray Salt Lake podcast. Um, Kyle decided he was too cool for the podcast today, um, but we got another cute boy in the form of Colin. Say hello, I would say, Colin. I would say a much cuter boy. If I had to compare myself to Kyle, a much cuter boy. This is how we can get Kyle to actually listen to this episode of the podcast, too. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay out of this one. You guys go ahead and No, you can you have to pit, you have to take a side, Trevor. Um hang on, I gotta drink some coffee first. Tre- Trevor, please pick. Just gonna have awkward silence here for a little bit. Wow. No, Colin, of course you're the cutest boy. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good answer. Um, well, Colin, we usually start with social hour and Kyle usually leads us off in social hour, but in Kyle's absence, I'm going to ask you, how's it going? Going pretty well. Going pretty well. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a good week. Nice, nice and relaxing and, uh, just enjoyed. I had, I had dual screens with the, um, Bucks Hawks game and then the RSL game going there for a while. So it was a, it was a good night of sports. Which was more satisfying for you? Um, I'm going to go probably the Hawks Bucks because I wasn't so excited about the RSL result tonight. So, no, how did that fair. game end up? Did the Hawks win? Hawks the, won, right? The Hawks did win. Yeah. What's the series at now? One zero Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, geez. Okay. Some reason I thought we they were like three games in on that series already. Well, I guess not. I go Hawks. Well done, Hawks. Always been a big fan of birds. That's not true. I'm actually kind of terrified of birds. <laughs> like if we're being honest, um, if a hummingbird flies near me, I get a little panicky. So I I understand. I think birds are kind of creepy. Yeah, they're weird. I had an ex have... who was terrified of birds. If she saw a bird like in her vision, she would like not actually panic attack mode, but like she was really scared of birds all the time, we're... forever. We've all we've all seen the birds, right? Like. Alfred Hitchcock has done a number on us all. Oh, that's speaking of. Have you never seen the birds? No, I've seen the birds. I haven't oh, seen yeah. it in several, several years. But my mm. daughter's trying to get into like scary movies. She's at that age where she thinks she can handle them now. And the birds is a good one. I'm going to make her watch that one. Because that Classic. one scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. Scared her crap, the crap out of me as an adult. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. All right, Trevor, how's it going with you? Um, good. Well, I mean, I answered this question like two days ago, so not yeah. much has changed since then. However, um, I did go to Tommy's Burgers tonight for dinner, and it's a little place in Provo, and yeah. I just got to say, it's my favorite, like for mm-hmm. sure. I've been there a hundred times, and it never, ever disappoints, and it's better than Lucky 13. Just putting that out there. I feel like I should like stand for Lucky Thirteen or something, but as a yeah, as a member of the Gluten Free Union. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I, <laughs> I mean, forget I, every t- every time I, I talk about food, I know I forget that I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> um, well, it's not me. I don't have all of weird Kyle's it's Kyle's weird stuff. So. Right. 
So every time I get on this pod, I I talk about food, and then Kyle and Matt are like, "Oh yeah, I don't know because I don't eat food." Yeah, and enjoy your hot chicken sandwiches. I yeah. guess. <laughs> um, I I did have a habanero burger there once that was very good, but it turns out habaneros are even hotter when you don't have a bunch of bread around them. Yeah, which, hmm, follows. But yeah, Can't, yeah, that tracks. Anyway, right. yeah, other than that, not much. Cool. Well, well, I'll ask Matt. How are you? Oh, thanks. I am doing pretty well. Good job, Colin. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I'm a natural. So my garden update for the week, or for the the second garden update of the week, um, I did harvest a bunch of basil today, and we had pesto for dinner, and it was just really good. I forgot to put garlic in the pesto, which is unusual for me because I uh, always garlic all the time. But you know, we did have garlic scapes, which I think we're coming on into like the last week or two for garlic scapes. So get over to your local farmer's market, get some garlic scapes. They're literally like the best food. They're just like long strings of garlic top stuff. And it's really good. Oh, Speaking of gluten-free, what do you put pesto on? Pasta. Okay, did, you want a, did you want a more uh, <laughs> robust answer than that, Trevor? A little bit, yeah. No. Um, gluten-free pasta. Do you just do like gluten-free or do you like do the chickpea yeah. pasta or is that the same thing? Yeah, I mean, so I kind of prefer the chickpea or lentil varieties over like a brown rice. Um, I like, I pretend it makes me healthier. It doesn't really, I'm sure, but you know, we get by. Okay. I really like pesto. I need to get some pesto. Matt, do you have any extra pesto that I can have? No, but if you'd like to come get some basil, I can definitely give you some. Every single time you say, if you'd like to come get something, I always say, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I never do. Yeah, you never do. You never um, do. <laughs> it sorry. goes for you too, Colin. You are welcome to come harvest from the garden. Well, I will do it. I'm not I'm not like Trevor. Well, you also have Good the news. convenience of geography on your side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Plays a big part in that me not going over to Matt's every day kind of thing. Trevor, Trevor I hear you work in... Like you are constantly telling me like, oh, I was near your house today, but I didn't come stay high. So, you the know, problem um, is when I'm near really your house, when I'm near your house, I'm like on the clock and I need oh. to be doing something other than just like visiting friends. I actually was kind yeah. of near your house like last week for a couple of days, <laughs> but a couple of days even not close enough. And it was um, really crappy. So the job I was doing was really crappy. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I was probably on vacation anyway, so. All right. Uh, speaking of on the clock, should we talk soccer? You know, sure. I know it's only been seven minutes of, of social hour, but. Let's let's do it. Kyle usually honestly takes up 15 of the 20 minutes of social hour. <laughs> <laughs> I miss him dearly, but we'll just have to move on and, and cope, I guess. We'll just hope he's enjoying his vacation. Yeah, he did. Uh, he hopped on to watch the second half. He told me, and didn't uh, he say he tuned in like the second we were awarded the PK? Yeah, I imagine <laughs> he him. turned the game off after that, and this is all Kyle's fault. But let's uh, let's let's recap the game very briefly here, uh, Trevor or Colin. I whoever starts recapping it first, like just tell us what happened. Uh, so there was a soccer game. It took place in Seattle. 
Uh Um, we were pretty bad for the first, no, we were okay for like the first 10 minutes. And then I think we were pretty bad for a little bit and then we were okay again. Um, and that was the story of the first half pretty much. And then the second half is where it actually stuff started happening. Um, no, it was just, it, it was in the second half, they got the goal from Christian Roldan in the 58th minute. Um, it was a counterattack goal, right? It was a counterattack. But the problem that I had with it was it was a counterattack. And we weren't like, it wasn't that we were caught out. We still had like five or six defenders in the box. They only had three attackers. And they found the open guy. There shouldn't be an open guy there. He had a shot that was saved. Great save by Ochoa. But it went right to Christian. And the entire defense was standing still. And he scored. So kind of the same thing that we always do. There's always a little bit of a ball watch, except this time it was four guys ball watching. And there's always a little bit of an open man. The problem was this open man was like six yards from the goal. So really bad defensively on that one play, um, despite being pretty solid defensively throughout most of the game before and after that. Um, then after I was going go well, to say, I was going to say about that goal, uh, Actually, it was. I think it was Beasler caught in possession in the midfield. I think it was uh, Joao oh, yeah, Pablo, was, Joao Pablo, who got the tackle in the midfield, and that started the counter. And that, yeah. As soon as Beasler lost the ball there, I was like, "Ooh, this could be it." It was right at right at the center center circle, um, caught out, and just the counter straight off from there. And you were right. I think we did have numbers, but as soon as he lost the ball in midfield, I was like, "This doesn't look good." Yeah, no, I agree. It, it didn't look good. From the start of the movement all the way through the whole movement, but it, it should have. Like it wasn't a problem of not enough guys, which if it's not enough guys, then like you get it. It makes sense. Sometimes you get beat by speed or by just numbers, but we weren't beat really by either of those. When we gave yeah. up the goal, it was just straight up, just bad defense kind of all around. That's what happens when you lose possession in the midfield, right? Like Yeah. It it puts you in I mean, you're set up for something different and then you have to deal with we, we don't have players that can, uh, I will say, actively pivot to like a different mode of thinking that quickly. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we do, but, well, but his name is Bobby Wood, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it's like, that's how Seattle wanted to play, right? They wanted to get those quick turnovers and play on the counter really quickly. Um, so they got the turnover in midfield and surprise, surprise, it turned into a goal, probably almost exactly how they would draw it up in the training ground. Yeah, and that's, for me, one of the interesting things is that uh, Seattle, like, didn't look comfortable with the ball, and we gave them a lot of it, and it didn't feel necessarily by design, but, like, somehow it worked out pretty well giving them possession, even though we conceded a bunch of chances that Seattle somehow didn't put away. But, all right, let's move on to the second half then, because that's where the action really, really picked up. Yeah, so... Second half, again, Christian scored. And then shortly after that, um, we got a bunch of substitutions. Um, we Everton had the yellow card early on. Um, and so we took him off. Beesler also came off at the same time, putting on Ruiz and Bobby Wood, making his MLS and RSL debut, which is exciting. Um, pushes Demir back into the midfield a little bit more um, to help out Ruiz. Um, and then we basically, we just went to two strikers. And from there, I think we were, 
better but like differently better if that makes sense like we were still i think we were still playing okay but we were playing a different kind of soccer than we were there was an obvious shift in in the offense once we had two strikers yeah let's let's talk about that shape because that was and we've all anticipated like a change in formation to account for like Bobby Wood and Ruby Rubin on the on the field at the same time. I actually thought we'd punt on that this time and and uh, not see a change and swap out Rubin, but you know we we saw them both. Uh, Colin, what did you make of that? Um, I think it did help refresh the attack a little bit. Um, I think RSL controlled the ball better after we switched to the two strikers. Um, it seemed Bobby seemed a little bit rusty. Um, I don't think he got as involved as I was maybe hoping he would. Um, but it did, I mean, it gave Rubin some space, I think, to operate in. And, you know, I think that space allowed him to go and, you know, win the penalties. So, Yeah, that's a, something I hadn't really considered was was the impact that had on the penalty, um, which came with another substitute, right? Uh, Donnie Toya, who came in for Andrew Brody. Uh, which uh, looked like Andrew Brody was cramping up a little bit. Uh, he did walk off on his own, you know, his own two feet, as it were. Uh, so I, I don't think we have to be overly concerned about an injury at this point. But clearly, gassed. He's. Uh, it's not like he's played a lot of soccer in the last week, but you know, ninety minutes. Last, you know, on was that Friday? Yeah. Friday games always throw me off because then I can't just say. <laughs> Last weekend, got to think about it a little Does bit. Friday that's not your strong suit. I think so. I would count Fridays the weekend. There, it was a Friday night. Fridays oh, the weekend. Okay, it's not a traditional soccer game day. Which, yeah, you're right. Throws it off. I will take a Friday night match anytime. That was yeah. Anyway, uh, back to the actual matter at hand. Um, so Donnie Toya pass penalty take it from there trevor yeah um donnie toya comes on um immediately makes an impact um plays a great ball um into rubin who's making the run um and it's the penalty that they gave up it's not us giving up the penalty so like i'm happy about it but at the same time like you kind of have to criticize the keeper there like that's not a good ball to really challenge for like Rubin, even if he gets to that ball, he's going away from goal to the corner. Like, let him get that ball. You don't need a challenge there. But he did. Um, I think they said it on the broadcast, but it was definitely a little bit of a soft penalty. Um, keepers, anytime they challenge that, they're always going out and then they can see when they're not going to win the ball. They pull their hands back, which is exactly what he did. But his momentum just carries him through Rubin. So it's an argument could be made that it's a soft penalty, but it's clearly a penalty. Um Rusnak steps up, uh, hasn't scored a goal all year, takes a great penalty. Uh, I think the keeper got a little bit of a touch to it, but not nearly enough. Um, yeah, so we score a goal off of that from Rusnak, gets his first of the year. And that was the other point that I wanted to Yay. make with the yeah, <laughs> with um, the two strikers coming on. One of the <laughs> changes that was made that seemed pretty obvious to me was Albert was a lot more involved at that point. And he was a lot more involved centrally. He did get the ball and kind of take it out to the wings, but offensively he was getting the ball and driving at defenders and looking for the pass and making the pass. And he was truly like a playmaker, which we haven't seen from him in a long time. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're famously kind of an anti-Rusnak podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah which are. is, 
too bad, really, that it's, it's come to this, but uh, <laughs> reputations are what they are. Um, I can I can echo that, Trevor. I think Rusnak was considerably better. And that was in the first half, too, that uh, he he played with like a speed of decision making that we haven't seen from him. And I don't know, years, right? Like yeah. two years. I think in the first half, he really um, like I said, he really wasn't involved for the first 20, 30 minutes of the game. Like, I mean. He received a pass, but he wasn't making a penetrating run. He wasn't looking to make a penetrating pass. He was just looking to make a keep possession pass, which is kind of what he's been doing all year. If he ever got the ball, that's all he was really trying to do was just keep possession. Um, but then as the game went on, he started to get more involved offensively and started going forward. But once we had the two strikers out there, he got way more involved and or seemed to. I haven't looked at the numbers. I'd like to, but it seemed like he got way more touches and he got him a lot closer to like that zone 14 kind of area, a top of the box where he was able to actually do something with it. So credit where credit's due. We've been Every dogging year. on Rusnak all year, but he's, I mean, he was involved in doing good things. It's true. Trevor, are you trying to become the stats guy of the podcast? Um, <laughs> talking about zone 14? Like, I'm <laughs> deeply uncomfortable <laughs> with this trend cannot have been the first time i've said zone 14 on this podcast i, I keep transcripts of all the episodes so all right we'll go. double check it control f that shit because i'm sure uh, that i just there. did and it, i didn't find anything <laughs> all right well i'll go do my own research and find it but anyway oh, he's <laughs> he was getting the ball in good spots and doing good things with it and for as much as we dog Ruznak, we should give him credit when he does the right thing and i think he did the right thing for the last 30 minutes of the game yeah, and I will third that as someone who is not famously on this podcast, but also famously dogging on <laughs> Albert Rusnak. Um, I will give him some credit today. I did think he did. He played much better. He's much more involved. Um, and I thought that he was better about taking players on and keeping possession because I think sometimes he loses it kind of easy um, in those situations. But I thought he held the ball up well um, and then you know made the next pass. And that pass was often a positive one. Um, just a couple times I thought he was a little loose in possession, but um, overall a much better showing the last two weeks from Albert than we've seen the entirety from the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I think uh, another thing we haven't talked about with Rusnak is his corner kicks were actually like, they they had intention to them. Um, and I, I don't know what to make of that, um, but I, I guess I don't mind. Um, I would much they, rather they... we have better corners than worse corners. <laughs> They at least found the right part of the field. They weren't landing 10 yards beyond the goal anymore. Yeah, they, were not landing, they, they were kind of landing in the middle of the goal. They didn't always yeah. like they didn't always get to an RSL player, but like it's in a better spot at least. That's a good start. Which is uh, such a low bar. <laughs> 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 like that bar's on the floor if you're just like the corners were in the right place of the field. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, it's, credit where credit is due. They they <laughs> they beat they beat the first man, and they didn't sail over the goal. So yeah. good job, Albert. It's definitely Gold one star. of those like, as long as there's improvement, that's all we care about. Like, that's part where we're at wondered, with the corners. Part of me wonders I, if uh, he doesn't get along with Paulo Ruiz. I'm trying to create drama here. If you can't <laughs> tell, but like maybe he doesn't get along with Paulo Ruiz, and so he he intentionally tanks his corners because you know the. A pro- proximity effect. Are you, are, you, are you suggesting that Albert Rusnak might have a bad relationship with the teammate that would affect his ability to play with them? I would never I suggest. I don't think that that's ever been a thing with that Albert. That doesn't sound like Albert Rusnak. That doesn't yeah. sound like a thing. 
I have a question for you guys because I was wondering, what do you do? You think Rabin earned that penalty? Uh, like, okay. I mean, I, I don't. I was like, did, did he did he earn the right to take it? Like, should Albert have Ooh. should Ooh. Albert have taken that? I mean, Rubio's a okay. forward. He went out and he went out and earned the penalty. Would you have liked to see him take it? So, all right, I'll go first. I'll let Matt stew for a second. Oh, great. I understand the thinking of like the player who earns it should take it. And I'm not opposed to that idea. Um, but I do like the idea of having like a designated penalty taker on a team. It's just like the best guy at penalties. Everybody agrees. He's the penalty taker. I'm much more on board with that line of thinking of just having a designated guy that takes all your penalties. Um, and historically that's been Rusnak for the last two or three years. So it makes sense that he would be the one he's also, I mean, the team has kind of put him on the pedestal. He's the face of the organization at this point. And so it would be weird if somebody else was taking penalties at this point, I think. But also, I think over the last two years, he's not been very good. He had a couple um, penalties that were easily saved, just bad penalties last year, um, I remember. I don't remember what the numbers are, but they they weren't good. Um, it was not like, yeah, you expect your good, good penalty – Taker to be like nine out of 10. And I think he was a lot closer to like 60 or 70% at converting. So on that point, I would have liked to see somebody else take it for like Albert's confidence. I'm sure it's going to do wonders. Um, yeah. To be honest, whoever takes it with all that said, I, I don't really care who takes it. Just have as a team, you need to have a, a, decision made before the penalty before it even comes up you can't earn a penalty and then have an argument or decide who's going to take it as a team you have to have a plan if we get a penalty kick here's what's going to happen and if it's the guy that earned it or if it's a designated guy or if you have a hierarchy or whatever it is you just have to have a plan going into it before all right and i, I think, would love to i think they pretty much just stuck to that okay I would, go love, ahead. I would love to disagree but i i can't at least too much um but i yes. did so post-match, they did interview Rubin, um, and he had a couple interesting things to say about it. Um, the The chief one was that he talked about it as a way to like give give Albert confidence, um, give him that first goal. And I always wonder about that. Like, is is scoring a penalty like a confidence improving event in the same way that scoring like a goal from the run of play or even a set piece is? It's like it's it's a situation designed to give the attacking player like statistical probability that they'll score a goal, right? Um, while still making it a competitive event. Um, and you know, I don't know. Like, uh, see, I'm I'm really glad it, you brought it that up. Does it that way? I don't know. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I've secretly, for a long time, believed that like confidence from a penalty kick like is just a fake thing. I'm sure that like, you know how like players, they just give like fake answers for a lot of post game questions. For everything. Yeah. I feel like that's one of those kind of fake answers that like people believe that it gives you confidence. But like you said, does it really like if you don't score a penalty, the the risk reward is, is not really there. The risk of not scoring a penalty, like what does that do for Rusnak's confidence? If he takes that penalty and misses it, what happened like that's way more damaging than making it is positive if that makes sense you know what i mean but on the other hand like for a guy that 
wants to score goals, that wants to contribute, a penalty is a really easy way to score a goal and contribute. And if that's your goal and if that's what motivates you is getting that goal bonus paycheck or, you know, looking at the stat sheet and saying, I've scored a goal this year. If you're not caring how you score a goal, as long as you score a goal, like maybe that does do something to your confidence. I think it kind of depends on the player, but for a lot of times, whenever I hear somebody say, oh yeah, we had to help him get his confidence or something like that. I always feel like that's a little bit of a dig at the player, but masked with just like a media friendly answer. That's what I was going to, that's what I was going to say and push back about that. Like he's our, he's supposed to be like the franchise guy. He's like the guy, the front office is like, and the coaching staff has put themselves behind. And like, now we're kind of like, well, hopefully this penalty gives him some confidence. Like, aren't aren't they the ones saying how great he's doing behind the, you know, behind closed doors and like what a positive impact he is. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, and so it's just kind of like, well, now we, now we got to like make sure this guy's getting confidence building penalties as well. Like, I mean, you're right, Trevor, you are right in the fact that he is the penalty taker. Like that is true. And that, that, is a decision made by the coaching staff, but I don't know. It seems weird to me for, for him to be, you know, that guy, the team is supposedly looking up to and the captain and like, you know, quote unquote, the talisman of, of RSL going forward that we're still trying to build his confidence six, seven games into the season. Like that doesn't, that doesn't feel great. Yeah. Um, it's like speaking of Albert's confidence, it was, I don't know. Should we get, let's get to the other goal actually. Uh, because we've now we've leveled it up. Um, oh, before we get to the goal, we have to get to uh, the hand of God moment, which I <laughs> Dude, think the uh, most beautiful thing. <laughs> this is just a fantastic moment. Um, Raul Rui Diaz cross comes in and just clearly punches the ball in the net. Just like no intention of doing anything otherwise. Just flails his arm at the ball to knock it in. Just uh, straight alley oop. Yeah, and. <laughs> You know, just sits there and acting very cool about it. And then he gets the yellow card and he just has a shit eating grin <laughs> on his face. Like he knew exactly what he knew exactly what he was doing, what he had tried to do. And Ted Uncle, you know, rightfully books him. But he looked the the, the <laughs> smile on his face made me laugh so hard. It was, soccer creates beautiful moments in our lives. And uh, <laughs> I'm so glad that we all got to share this one. Yeah, that's that's we got to mark that for like the end of the season highlights. Cause even though that oh, wasn't yeah. our player, that's great stuff to be involved in. I was yeah. so happy. Um, defending was pretty poor though. If Justin glad had got his hand up, he probably could have batted it away. So actually in that situation, Trevor, you're the, you're the ref expert. Like yeah, okay. say Rui Diaz, like intentionally slaps the ball with his hand before the whistle's called another player puts their hand up to slap it away from goal. What happens there? Is it the the, first foul that's called? Yeah. So there's a specific um, part of the rule book where it talks about if two fouls happen like simultaneously or very close to each other, it's either the more egregious or the first one. And in that case, I think it would definitely be the first one because the second one doesn't happen without the first one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even though they, they would happen like before the whistle, the whistle isn't necessarily the determining factor. It's when the foul happens. So in that case, I think it would still be the same result, but it would also be very stupid of Justin to put himself in that position to allow yeah, the referee true. to like make that decision and be like, oh, well, that's also a red card because <laughs> denial of a goal scoring opportunity. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think that would be the wrong decision for a ref to make pretty clearly, but 
there's a lot of judgment calls in soccer and that's one of them that like i said i think would be the wrong one but mls refs you don't really want to give them that opportunity to make that decision fair enough generally speaking so the handball that's that's how that would rule the handball giveth and the handball (laughs) taketh away yeah uh and uh yeah had had this one i wouldn't say end but but what happened to deflate our spirits so much on this very pod well let's go back just a little bit because shortly after the penalty we had another substitution and that introduces the character anderson julio into the story oh yeah uh, and it was for justin miram which like i said i think is the most predictable sub on this team right now and i think it's going to continue to be the most predictable sub on this team as long as one of those players is on they're going to be subbed I, I don't think either of them have completed 90 minutes yet this have we have they I feel like let's, we looked this up the other day and we talked about it on the last pod. Yeah, let's but say no. I probably don't know not. the real answer, but sure. But if Anderson gets subbed on or off, it's for Justin Miram. And I think that's happened every single time. Um, oh, no, because Anderson was injured for a couple games. And I think Justin... Yeah, that's true. Anyway, um, so Anderson Julio comes on and kind of immediately contributes. Uh, it's about eight minutes later. That he's back defending. Uh, was it Justin or Aaron? Somebody headed the ball in the box, tried to clear it, and just didn't really. Um, was that, still in the Aaron, box. I believe that was Aaron. Yeah, probably Aaron. And then went to uh, a Seattle player that was wide open. So Anderson stepped back to help, and just unlucky, but definitely still a penalty. Ball bounces off Seattle onto Anderson onto his arm onto the ground, and I mean it definitely hit his arm. His arm was definitely outstretched. Rules are rules. Can't do that penalty. Like it's a bummer, but it's still the right call for a penalty there. Uh, so Rui Diaz steps up and scores uh, the game winner. PK two to one. And then the game ends. And that's pretty much it. That's the recap. I mean, unless there's something I missed. Colin, what yeah. did you think of that penalty? Uh, I loved the take. Are you kidding me? I, I loved it down the center take. It's one of my favorites. Just, just assuming the goalkeeper is going to dive and just put it right down the center. And, you know, I, it's always enjoyable. Um, great when it works. Um, and just the highest of comedy in soccer when it doesn't just like one of the funniest things to see a a failed Panenka. So that's true. That really would have completed the, like the, the hand of God, the missed (laughs) Panenka. That would have been, Oh, too much to ask. Certainly. Yeah, for sure. Missed opportunity, but well, I think we should at least much. pay service to the idea that the penalty was maybe harsh. Um, I saw Kyle post on Slack that he thought it was harsh. Um, so I will be Kyle in this moment and say, uh, Ted Uncle got that one wrong. I can't do a Kyle impression, I've discovered. Um, I didn't <laughs> even really try there. I think nope. I just spoke more slowly than I usually do. A little bit, yep. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Kyle. I don't think I have a good Kyle impersonation either, but um, I I agree with Kyle that um, I do think that it was a bit harsh um, because I think the ball does bounce off Julio before it hits his arm. Um, And so it's, it's kind of one of those penalties that's just like you had an arm, so you get a penalty Um, like, which, which is always kind of tough. Um, But I will say that the scoreline itself was not undeserved. Seattle clearly, clearly was better than RSL in this match. Um, and they played better and they had more opportunities. And so in that way, like the ultimate calling of the penalty, and that's what lost the game, was a little harsh, I thought. Um, the losing of the game was not unfair. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, yeah, and I mean, I tweeted out at the end of the game. Uh, I think we showed pretty well, considering who our opponent was. We're playing the best team in the league, and we stayed in it for 88 minutes, and then a bummer of a penalty. We lose it. But, yeah, no, like, ultimately, I, I think 2-1 is a pretty fair result, um, especially playing in Seattle against an undefeated team. Even a depleted Seattle, I think, is still easily top three in the league. Yeah. And, I mean, and we're not. So, like, losing this game was always in the cards. That's the scary thing, though, isn't it? Like, S- Seattle losing so many first-team regulars and just being out them and then being able to clearly take the match to RSL for 90 minutes. And that's what's really scary about Seattle. If they were fully healthy, they would be running away even more so than they are right now with the league. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of uh, kind of what having one of the best coaches in the league for the last however many years they've had, like six or seven now, that he's been their head coach. Like, that's what that does. Like, you just have a wonderful coach, a wonderful GM, a wonderful organization that knows how to build a roster knows how to motivate a team and put together a team like yeah yeah but again, like that's seattle that's been seattle for, for the past five years yeah and weirdly our, z- our zombie front office can't <laughs> compete our zombie front office in limbo with having no idea what to do what we're going to do with a new owner or anything like that yeah just just can't compete with that kind of continuity apparently oh that could have been us i, well, I it saw, probably I wouldn't s- have been but I saw the sale of Houston, right? And it, I just thought of the meme. It's the, the guy praying and he's like, dear Jesus, I've seen what you've done for others. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I thought. Of. That's immediately what I thought when I saw Houston, the Houston sale. I was like, like, come on, where's my sale? Buy my team. Who will buy my team? Yeah. And that's really the other, I mean, ah, we've talked about it way too much, but that's the overarching like theme of this season is just like, it feels like this season's a throwaway season until we get a new owner. It's been, it's was a throwaway season for the first like four or five games. And then we announced a couple of new signings and now there's a little bit of excitement. Now we're starting to see those signings, but at the same time, like even with those signings without an, a new owner, like everything about the season is kind of gravy. It's like, we're not a super competitive team. As long as we stay like middle of the pack, for the season, I think that's successful. And that's about our bar so far. So, again, playing against Seattle, keeping them 1-1 to the 88th minute, it's not bad. Yeah. So, I guess we feel good about this loss then, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, we set the expectation <laughs> ahead of time. So, I yeah, wouldn't say that fair. we like feel good about this loss, but if you oh. like know that you're going to lose, then you're just looking for the bright spots and there are bright spots. There were bright spots in the game and yeah. there were things to be happy about, but the result is, I mean, kind of exactly what we thought it was going to be. So we can't really get mad about, get mad about it. If we knew what it was going to be. Well, it'd be so interesting to see what they play like going forward. Like are in the next match, are they going to start Bobby and, and Rubin and actually just start with a two striker system? Like that would be really interesting to see. Cause man, but it was ever Jeff Kassar brought in kind of that, that shape and that, that kind of idea of mentality of playing. And we've just been doing that since then. So this is like the first real like paradigm shift that I can think of that, you know, is like could really change the way that RSL plays. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. That's a great point. Like it, 
it brings me back to my conspiracy theory that Deloitte Hansen is the reason we went to a 4-3-3 and he had that as a mandate. And like so many things click together so nicely, like every good conspiracy theory. It's it's the guy at the top ruling everything. So, And they're usually true. Every M- Matt Montgomery is a flat earther. Oh, he no. is awesome. <laughs> this, I love it. This is not going the way I, I hoped it would. Uh, you heard uh, it here first. <laughs> Conspiracy theorist I w- Matt Montgomery. I will say uh, I'm not a flat earther, but for a time in middle school, I was <laughs> a hollow earther. Which, a hollow uh, earther? What's... Yeah, the idea I f- that there are... I feel are, like we've talked about this before. Yeah, we probably have. But the idea <laughs> that there are aliens living inside the earth and that there are like entry points in the poles... Um, you know, I that was really fun as a middle schooler. I had this book that my I think my grandma had it, probably published in the seventies. Um, we moved into their old house, so I I moved into the basement room where they had all the books, and uh, the I think the book was just called The Hollow Earth. I'm gonna have to find that book and I'll start distributing it. Uh, it's gonna um, bring bring light to the world. Now. I'm gonna feel bad when you're found dead in a Spanish prison, like Jack, <laughs> Jeff McAfee, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I hope that fate does not befall me. Um, I will stick to my RSL conspiracy theories. Which, without do you have any place, strong? Like, do you have any strong opinions about whales, Matt? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't feel like there's a good way to answer that. Um, oh, there but absolutely I, is not a way to answer that. But I do love Star Trek Four, which has the best whale scene in all of cinema. So. Spock mind melding with the the whale is forever seared in my brain, and that's the only contact I approve of with whales. <laughs> <laughs> the Hollow Earth by oh wait, hang on, it looks like there might be two Hollow Earths. No, there's a, I mean maybe a mirror Hollow Earth. There's one by a Doctor Raymond Bernard, The Hollow Earth: The Greatest Geographical Discovery in History. Oh. And then I, the other one is I do a book only by trust Walter, doctors, so. Walter Siegmeister. That's mm. why you invited me on. I am yeah. a doctor. Yeah. Are um, these the same? I have no idea. After the like, pod finishes, don't let me forget to show you this rash I've got. <laughs> Not <laughs> that kind of doctor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, so one thing. Go, oh, yeah. Go, go, go ahead, Trevor. Matt. No, go I was ahead. Gonna, I was going to bring it back down to Earth. Uh uh, okay. Nah. Nah, all right. Okay. I so see you. I was actually a little. I was. I need to check the timing again. But I was a little concerned about our substitution of Anderson Julio into the match. Um, notably, not a Why? player that defends. But I need to check the timing because I don't remember if he came in before or after our goal. Was he it came that, in was after? It before? After he the came goal? in in the 80th minute. When it was tied one to one, see, I I would rather we had played for a point there. Um, I think a point was the most we could ask for from that game. Um, we create, we took four shots. Like this is not a game where we were getting into the box regularly, like creating opportunities. And I think putting Anderson Julio was overly optimistic. Um, and I think they should have like reeled that one back. I but, thought that they should have know. made that sub at the same time that they made all the other subs. My yeah, problem that, with that I, that I get I see where you're coming from and I get it. And that 
totally makes sense. I'm not disagreeing with it. I just think the time to make that substitution was uh, the 60 or the 74th minute when Toya came on for Brody. Like yeah. I said, like, I don't think it's a secret that Julio and Miriam are probably going to sub for each other. So, yeah. like, if you know that you're going to make that sub, the 75th minute is a better time to make that sub than the 80th minute. Yeah. And I then it gives you more time to figure out what's going on. And then if you decide you need to make another substitution, you can bring on Holt or you can bring on Portillo or you can bring on somebody else to shore up the defense later. Waiting, I- waiting to make that sub until the 80th means you don't have any more substitution windows. Yep. We had another sub that we could have used, but we used all three windows because we didn't put Anderson Julio in six minutes earlier. Yep. And I I would be doing Kyle a disservice if I didn't say, why didn't we substitute Ashton, Ashton Morgan in? Like, he's really a de- should have. player that can, defender, can defend wide, like, trying to get heated here it's not working he would have but. he would have been a much better like it would have been a like for like with brody morgan likes to get forward we know that yeah. and he's a good defender and like i i get adding toya like i think that was good yeah i um, mean and, and toya had a good impact on the game and all that but again um, that, but that I, one I seemed like an opportunity the, that one seemed like to shore up the defense sub yeah i mean it wasn't because it was an injury so i mean you're gonna make that sub anyway but it, it yeah, just felt no, a little I, automatic to me. Like, oh, it, you know, Justin Miriam is looking tired. Now we'll, we'll, we will sub in Anderson Julio, and that's the sub we will make. Yeah. And, and, and I think we got so many things right in the game, like despite the odds being like overwhelmingly against us. Uh, it's, it just hurts a little bit to see that one, you know, kind of go wrong. Well, and it doesn't like, it's not, doesn't feel great to start a player who you know can't go a full match and you're always going to have to use a sub on because then it really limits your tactical flex- flexibility or you're just going to be like well he's going to be out there and not be effective because he's tired and it's like i love justin Mir, great player i love watching him play and i think that um he combines well with a lot of the rest of the squad but it is frustrating to always have that like kind of sub hanging over your head where it's like oh well we've got to do it because he can't go the full 90 he'll get too tired yeah i i see where you're coming from and i'm not disagreeing but I do think that if you have five subs, it's not a bad idea to just go into the game as part of your game plan to make one sub. You know what I mean? There's there's something to right. be said about with the amount. I mean, that's half the outfield players that you can sub with five subs. So if you're playing under like only three subs, then yeah, I, to- I totally get it. And I'm with you. That's probably a bad idea. But with five subs, I, I don't really think you lose that flexibility if you have one player that you know you're going to make a sub for because he gets tired. And yeah, should he not be tired? Yeah, absolutely. Like he's a professional. He should probably be able to play 90 minutes, both of them. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to just have one planned sub a game, one or two subs that like you know you're going to make. Well, and it makes sense in this case, especially with a game. Yeah with the game in three days, like the game on Saturday coming up, like, yeah, you, you're going to have to rotate the squad. You're going to have to get guys breaks where they can. And, and like, that's going to be a tough turnaround to come back to Salt Lake play at a 6 PM kickoff, which is a, just an absolutely terrible time for a June soccer game in Salt Lake. Um, and it's going to be a hot and tiring match. So speaking of uh rotation, what'd you guys think about Nick Beasler in the midfield? Uh, Colin, you go besides, first. Besides the <laughs> besides the terrible giveaway, he was fine. 
that's kind of what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I I know. I know a lot of people. Yeah. I feel like he's one of the most polarizing players on the team as far as like fan. uh, What's the word? I'm like appreciation. That might not be the right word, but like fans generally are either like totally against him or they're just ambivalent towards him. Like he's good enough. He's definitely not really the guy you want to rely on for your team, but like as a rotation piece, as a third or fourth starter in that position, he's fine. And yeah, I think with that player, you're going to get that occasional really bad turnover, but that's just the nature of rotating a midfield. Right. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think he got a bad rap um, during Mike Petke's years because Mike Petke played him out of position for those playoff games and he looked terrible. He was never a defender that maligned him very much to the fans, even though it wasn't necessarily his fault. Um, I do think he has gotten a better, um, better over the last season. Um, but I still don't think he's like, you know, a showcase piece in the midfield um, yeah. going forward. Yeah. No Joe oh, Apollo, sure. right? No. Yeah. Joe <laughs> Paulo, a much better player than Nick Beasley. Oh, okay. So, so let's bring it back to the other element of the midfield in Everton Louise. Um, I'm curious what you guys thought of him because uh, I'll be frank. I thought his first half was pretty poor. Maybe I don't not think really bad, but pretty poor. Well, okay. I would respond by saying who was good in the midfield in the first half. Cause there really wasn't much to be happy about there. Yeah. I mean, I mean honestly, fair, the, but the only player you have to were, like blame a player, right? Well, I mean, I would blame I all like of to them. Blame. That's that's what's like. I would like to blame all of them. None of them were very good. There was a lot of really dumb, silly turnovers, misplaced passes, just a lot of not good play, kind of all around. Everton, if you want to talk about him specifically, made a couple bonehead plays, had a got a really stupid yellow card that he shouldn't have got. Um, yeah, he just he didn't have that possession keeping um, quality that he usually has, and. Did it hurt the team? Yeah, but like I said, it wasn't a standout bad performance because everybody was kind of bad in the first half. And I think that's why we saw both midfielders get substituted when they did because, or both of the defensive midfielders. Beasley and Everton got substituted, and I think that was because we just needed a different look in the midfield to do something because the midfield just wasn't really doing it for most of the game. And that was, they were subbed after the first goal, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were subbed uh, yep. after after we got our goal, I think. No, before we got ours. Can you believe we got our yeah, goal in right. the 79th minute? Felt like such a, a long period of time, but I guess that's you know between our penalty and their penalty. But soccer yeah. has weird ways of tricking you. Yeah, I you watching was... the first watching the first half. I tweeted something about how I there's few things I believe in less than the RSL RSL backline. Um, and it's not, I don't even know what the problem is because it's not any individual player. I'm just like, this team is, well, it is one in, in particular player. We all, <laughs> we all know who that, that player is. Uh, but like that team is just going to give up a goal and it's going to happen nearly every game. And I just don't believe in their ability to, to keep a clean sheet at all. I don't believe in them. They can't do it. Well, let's uh, do a real quick rundown memory lane. How many clean sheets do we have this year? One. I think we have one against Nashville in that zero <laughs> zero draw. Oh man, that was oh such a boring game. It was but terrible. Have, we've we have given up five more... draws. Can you believe that? What's that? I mean, yeah, of course you can believe it. 
they're bad, but they are we talking about Nashville right now? Yeah, they only have one loss. Like I don't well, know. I mean, they, the, weird. they just play not to lose a game. Yeah, yeah they're they're a Gary Smith coach team. Uh, it's like route one offense and just really sit back defense. That's kind Give of what they Jeff Cassard any day of the week. So let's see. We gave up two goals today. We gave up two goals against Dallas, two goals against San Jose. So was that three games? I mean, so yeah, they're scoring every single game pretty much against us. The opponent is, but we're not allowing a whole lot of multi-goal, multi-goal, multi-goal games. But that's that's three right? out of that's three out of eight games we've played. <laughs> okay, all right. So maybe we do suck. <laughs> You're right. But you know, at the same time, we're sitting with one point five points per game, which if you told me at the beginning of the season, like you know, twenty five percent of the way through. 1.5 points per game like that's that's pretty good for where I thought we'd be it's it's pretty good but it is really disappointing how few wins we got from that home stand yeah oh for sure let me put it this way how many goal how many goals how many teams above us in the standings we're currently seventh which is technically yeah. a playoff spot yeah how many teams above us have a better goal differential than we do do you think goal goal differential or goal, goals against Goal differential. I've got the standings up, so I will not. I will oh, refrain from spoiling cheat. it. I had it up before. <laughs> so, so Colin, this is this is your this is your question now. There are six I'll teams go, ahead of us in the standings in the Western Conference only. I'll go four teams with better goal differential out of out of the other six. Three teams have a better goal differential than us. And <laughs> you asked about how many goals against. Oh, let's do the whole conference. That'll be a funner question. So 13 teams in the conference. How many teams have allowed fewer goals than RSL, do you think? Again, I'm looking at the number right here. It's a surprising number. It's it's a wonderful number, I think. I we would have played have, fewer I, games, though. Uh, that is, uh, okay, yeah, that's fair. Because like Kansas City's played like 10 games, right? Kansas City has played 11. 11. Oof. Yeah. Most everybody else has played nine. There's three teams that have played 10, four teams that have played 10. And we played eight. So a okay. little bit of a caveat, but um, I'll go with, well, I was, I would have said nine, but now I feel like that that's way too many based on the responses. So I'll, I'll stick with nine, even though I know that that is wrong based that on is eight too many. Oh, wow. Really? There's only one team that has allowed fewer goals so far this season than RSL. And that is Seattle. So in the Western the, Conference, I'm not looking at the Eastern Conference at all right now. So then the answer is is that all all MLS defenses are terrible. I think that's <laughs> fair to say. Yeah, that's probably fair. Although, uh, if you look mm-hmm. at the Eastern Conference, uh, Orlando's only conceded six, and Philadelphia and Columbus have each conceded seven, and somehow Montreal, despite being ninth in the East, has only conceded nine. That's, I mean, that's, that's a goal a game. Is that just, uh, ugh, ugh. these numbers, is that, like, is that MLS still like teams early season? on average more than a goal a game? Like no matter what. Oh, yeah. Fun. I like it. I is that it. just early MLS early in the season? So stuff hasn't quite fleshed itself out yet. I think that's just MLS. Is that, is that what we're going to attribute that to? Sure. We can do okay. that. Jeez Louise. Chicago's only scored four goals all season. 
Yikes. What a tragedy. They just they just lost to Cincinnati, right? That should get you thrown out of the league. Oh, that's true. Yeah, no, they have four points from nine games. <laughs> oh, jeez, you know that is so bad. It really they is have, amazing that that hasn't been us. Like we we've been mediocre for so long, but we we haven't been truly truly bad. And uh, I guess we can thank Deloy Hansen for not letting us be uh, truly truly bad under his watch. Um, just yeah, just but, have gone to very good to just bad. Yeah. Not very, very bad, just yeah. bad. We've had some very, not very bad years, but just bad years. Yeah, it's the little things, you know. But pretty much ever since he took over, we have consistently gotten worse every single year. Yeah. And if not on the field, <laughs> in every other way. Oh, well, yeah. But yeah. On the field, <laughs> it's what, off the field, beside, we've gotten worse in every single way. But also off the field, we've gotten a lot worse. Well, let's uh, let's close it out with some closing thoughts, I guess. Um, my closing thought, I wish we played teams in the Eastern Conference more because looking at these teams, I'm like, I, I have no idea. Like, I know New England is doing very well, almost as well. I'm, they're one point off from Seattle and they've got uh, Carly's heel. Is it heel? I always forget. It's heel. Who is, yeah, who you is, keep getting I'm thrown off because we had Carlos or Carlos. We had Luis Gill. That's but true. We did. His, and that's what a, a very Americanized. Yeah, that's a very Americanized <laughs> pronunciation of that name. So uh, yeah, I miss I miss playing Eastern Conference teams. I think it's more fun, and I hope someday we return. When do we play our next Eastern Conference team? Uh, probably August or June. Or I thought it was October. sometime early in the season. Oh, it's this weekend when we play Houston. Just that, kidding. That doesn't count. I know oh, it, it doesn't actually does. count anymore, does it? No, they're they're Western Conference. Yeah, but they're they are the one that gets bounced back and forth. It's either them or Sporting. Like anytime there's an expansion team, one of them moves over. I don't get it. Like, I don't understand this country. It's one of many <laughs> things wrong with it. <laughs> um, is Austin Eastern Conference? No. Wait, maybe. No. No. What? no. Well, then, who's our Eastern Conference team that we play? Did we already play both of them. Now we play Chicago in October. Which oh, is blind that'd be a fun then. one to go to. I am blind. Yep, there it is. We play yeah. Chicago. All right. That's my closing thought. I want us to play more Eastern Conference teams. Are we going to go? Pre- are we going to pre? Well, real quick, are we going to preview the Houston game at all, or does no. that not deserve a preview? Six PM kickoff. Collins right to be dismayed. Like, oh yeah, no, it's not going to be fun. Uh, and oh, uh, Houston is directly above us, but they have uh, their sixth in the standings. They have played 10 games. We've played eight. Um, they have 13 points. We have 12. So statistically, they are worse than us, but. Great. That that's, the pre- that's, that's the preview. It's going to be a garbage game because it's one of the hottest parts of the day. Yep. Not looking forward to it. All right, Trevor, what's your big takeaway from the game? Um, They're, I mean. This is a bad takeaway, but the XG actually lined up this game. Seattle was 2.2. We were 1.1, I think. So sometimes math nerds get it right. Sometimes it lines Hmm. up. It didn't last week, but whatever. I'm going to get you a sign. This One of those uh, yard signs. 
Can you put up yard signs in Provo or is that uh, strictly forbidden? Uh, of course we can put up yard signs. Oh, good. Um, in this house, we believe in XG. Okay. Yeah. Give I, me do, a f- we've got a great place for like hanging flags out front. Yeah. Um, so yeah. If you give me a flag, I'll hang it. Okay. From the, what is that? The eve of the house? Yeah. Top part. Above the carport. We'll put it there. Hmm. Give me a big flag and I'll do it. Okay. All right, Colin, what's your big takeaway? My big takeaway is that I still don't have any idea how good RSL is. And I think that at the end of every week, I'm like, I are they good? Are they not good? I don't know. And I don't know which team is going to show up. And it's kind of a delight every time. Huh. So it's a fun little treat every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, um, you, you go into every week and you're like, they could do something. And then they don't sometimes and you're like oh that's rsl and then they do sometimes you're like that's a present pleasant surprise like i thought i thought at the end of the vancouver game those two way goals i was like what a shock (laughs) that happened for me that's amazing (laughs) so you know that's i I, it's so hard to get a gauge of this rsl team because i just feel like they're just kind of inconsistent it's hard to to really say what you're going to get week to week that was a great way to end this podcast. It's a much better takeaway than mine. I bet you could say the same thing about this podcast too. Um, and this feels <laughs> like one of our one of our Vancouver game pods. And well, even yeah, you had me and not lost. you had me and not Kyle. So that's and Kyle. Difference. If you've listened this far, uh, we miss you dearly. We eagerly await your arrival back into Utah from the great state of Southern California, uh, which we all know is going to split off at some point right like is this are we uh, all like pro or anti we don't have to get into Matt, is electoral this, map redrawing <laughs> i was gonna say are is we this talking? an electoral question or a climate yeah, change we should, question we should let southern california secede and <laughs> or or is this like a the the u.s balkanizing oh type yeah idea Ooh. let's do it i'm yeah. you know well, anything's got to be better than what we're doing now so <laughs> And on that note, um, I guess it's it's time to say goodnight. All right. You good may night. now say goodnight. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the pod, guys. It was really fun. Yeah, thanks I for enjoyed coming. it. Thanks, Colin. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure Blast. following you on Twitter. And now it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, and, you know, thank, thanks, Sarah, for donating uh, her equipment time to you for us. Yeah. Big, and, big uh, shouts to Sarah Todd for the podcasting equipment. Go subscribe to the Jazz Insider newsletter. Uh, go the, subscribe the, to Unsalvageable or on Twitter. Let's see if I get this right. It's Unsalvageables with an S. Um, two, and I, two S's. Two, wait, two S's? No. Well, Un- there's an S. S Alvageable S. Trevor. There's two S's. You're confusing the listener. <laughs> um, Sorry. We have, <laughs> we have more than one listener, Colin. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Yeah, that's the hope. We'll, I've been trying we'll to run the numbers, numbers again, but... but last we checked, there was more than one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.